This episode of The Jake is brought to you by MVI Home Care. Our primary concern is your health and well-being. MVI is built on integrity, respect, communication, confidentiality, and teamwork. We are committed to providing comprehensive, high-quality home health, hospice, and infusion therapy services in a safe, responsible, and cost-effective manner. Our goals and yours are the same. Your care and well-being is our primary focus. Welcome back to the Jake Podcast. This is episode 21. As in, well, there aren't any Browns quarterbacks that can be named 21, but what's what's 21? Oh, yeah, 21 is actually the old MLB record for longest consecutive win streak. Some people will tell you 26. That is incorrect. The 1916 Giants that did the 26-game win streak had multiple ties in their streak. So that streak is not exactly a win streak. It's a not losing streak. But 21 has been done by one team, the 1935 Chicago Cubs. And before the month of August, that was it. Before that, there was uh, a couple teams that had done 20, which was most recently done in 2002 by the Oakland Athletics. Everyone knows that team from the movie Moneyball. Uh, or the team that had a lot of really good players, that lost really a lot of really good players, and then did it with still a lot of good players, but didn't get credit for it because it's like the movie likes to point out, oh, all these underdogs, these guys who get on base, when in reality it's like, you know, you still had guys like Eric Chavez hitting like 120 RBIs and Miguel Tejada, who was an MVP candidate, and possibly one of the best three-man rotation, probably the best three-man rotation of my lifetime with Barry Zito, Mark Mulder, and Tim Hudson. But let's not, you know, that doesn't make the movie better. They want to look like underdogs. But I love Moneyball. I loved the book. Um, I loved that when I was in high school. I read it twice. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I love the movie, too. It was great. But, you know, that's not the record anymore. When they set the American League record for 20 wins and 21 was the Chicago Cubs, they had no idea another team would be coming up. And the Cleveland Indians... 15 years later, tying the record of 20, then getting 21 just yesterday afternoon, and then tonight, they looked like they were down and out. 2-1 late in the game, had their chances in the 7th and the 8th, their bases loaded, didn't get anything done. Francisco Lindor had at-bats, Jose Ramirez had a chance, Jay Bruce had bases loaded and popped up, and same with Carlos Santana. And in the bottom of the ninth, Yandy Diaz grounded out. Uh, Tyler Naquin popped one through the left side of the infield, kind of like a quiet single. And then uh, and with two outs, Frankie Lindor comes up and hit a little double off the wall. Scoring Eric Gonzalez, the pinch runner from first base. Cleveland goes crazy, crowd goes wild, and everybody's everybody's feeling... 
That's right. The Indians in 10 innings came back and won their 22nd straight game. If you thought I was going to talk about this, you're absolutely nuts. You don't know anything about me. And I've actually been pretty quiet during this whole streak. I didn't bring it up and show off in front of my friends because it's easy to bring up all the times that my Cleveland teams fell short, which includes this past World Series where they lost in Game 7. But this is remarkable. This type of streak, and just to recap, they won in the 10th inning after tying the game in the 9th and uh, with two guys on. Well, to start the inning, Jose Ramirez hit a single, stretched it into a double with his pure just hustle and adrenaline, his 50th double of the season. I think he's got 82 extra base hits. Hitting that many extra base hits and also batting 310 is just absolutely remarkable. Like that the list of guys that have done that is like 3. It's 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 really crazy. It's like Chipper Jones um like some guy from like 1890 that I've never heard of, and Jose Ramirez. So the the numbers are crazy right now going for Jose. He's still unknown to everybody else outside of Cleveland, which is crazy because he batted second in the All Star game and had two hits. And you know he's young. He's locked in for Cleveland for a while, and he's so entertaining. The guy is like really funny. He's a Twitter presence. Still uses a translator, but he still has fun with it. Anyway, Jose got the double, Encarnacion walked, and then Jay Bruce doubled down the line to win the 22nd straight game. I mean, it was feeling like this one was over, and it kind of was a bummer, but at the same time, they matched the record at 21, so I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm more than pleased that this team's going to win 100 games now, uh, pro- maybe get the one seed in the AL, which, you know, right now they have the lead on, which it'll be great to nail that down. Uh, that would be something to just be able to avoid the Astros and Red Sox in the first round because this uh, AL playoffs look to be pretty stacked. And uh, even, you know, Yankees, Twins, Angels, whoever's going to come out of that wildcard game is going to be pretty tough. But uh, avoiding the Red Sox-Astros would be huge. But I mean, this, this Indians team, it's unreal what they're doing. And people aren't, I feel like they're now finally appreciating it. This was only the first game in the 22 that went to extra innings. Um, this is only the second time that a non-starter for the Indians won the game. You know, Cody Allen got the win tonight. Uh, other than that, it's been and and there was one other game. Other than those two games, they've all been starters getting the wins. It's crazy how dominant and how quickly they have been getting to these leads. For you non-baseball fans, it's going to be hard to really truly tell you what's going on in Cleveland. It took till like 18 for people to fully realize it, you know, because they had 14 wins in a row last year. Okay, they did this streak, and and everyone was like, oh, I guess the Indians are pretty good, right? You know, and and that was kind of like the most people got out of it in the summer. Then they made it to the World Series, and people were already forgotten about the 14 game win streak. They were like, huh, I guess they uh, they won the AL. Like, oh man, this pitching seems really good. It's like, yeah, no duh, pitching's amazing. They're Starting rotation, the bullpen, and their lineup have all worked just so well. They're one of the best units. Each of them are one of the best units in the MLB. And this was all last year. They made the improvements. People are like, okay, the expectations of the Indians to go back to the World Series, right? And it's crazy that that's the expectation of the Cleveland Indians. You know, they they went from Napoli to Edwin Encarnacion. They went from Rajai Davis to a combination of 
uh, Austin Jackson and a few other outfielders. They went from Naquin to Bradley Zimmer. And the young guys got uh, one year older and better. They have five all-stars this year. Yet it still seemed like nobody was paying attention. You know, they go out and win 14, 15, 16 games in a row. And people are like, wow, that's a really long streak. The Diamondbacks are doing it too. And I think that took away a little bit from the Indians uh, fairly so, because the Diamondbacks were beating some really good teams when they did that, but ended up losing to the Padres after, I think, uh, 12 or 13 games. And then the Indians just kept on rolling through. They have sweeps of the Yankees, multiple of the Tigers and Royals, the White Sox, um, the Orioles. They have a lot of sweeps in there. They went 11-0 on the road on this 20. They're 11-0 at home, 11-0 on the road. Started out with a win over the White Sox, rolled through the Yankees, rolled through twenty to nothing weekend over the Royals. It's and and it's all been early. This was the first one where they had to win it late, and of course it was the record setter with the magic in the extra innings. It's truly unbelievable, and you know what? I hope everyone gets to enjoy it because you know not every every year somebody wins the World Series, right? But not every year do you see something like this. And I know the ultimate goal is to win the World Series. And if we don't, I'm going to be bummed because I'm looking at this team as, as my favorite team I've ever rooted for. You know, this team is special. Uh, I, I was talking to my cousins earlier, you know, thinking back to all the Browns teams, which, you know, there have been a lot of really bad ones. And I've liked a lot of players, but I've never loved any Browns team like I do this Indians team. The Cavaliers won in 2016. They've been a tight unit, but there's always been a little bit of drama. There was, uh, you know, and as as great it was, and they'll always be in my heart as the team that brought a championship to Cleveland. But I, I mean, this Indians team, I'm so much more into than that Cavs team. I know that Cavs team was like my chance, you know, to win the title, and that's why I loved the first one being the Cavs. A lot of my friends were like, "Oh, but wouldn't you rather have it been the Browns and the Indians?" I'm like. It was always going to be special no matter what with the Indians and Browns because it's still going to be a long drought for either of those teams whenever they win. So for the Cavs win to be special, breaking the Cleveland curse was a great way for them to stick out. And LeBron, the way he did it over you know, coming back from you know leaving and then going to the Heat and then coming back to Cleveland, making his promise to win one and then having to do it down 3-1 to the 73-win Warriors – I've talked about this a lot before, I know. The way that the Cavs did it was special in their own way, that they got to break the curse and do, and and be the first win and everything. That Even when that happened, I'm like, no matter what, the Indians, when they win, the Browns, when they win, it will still be so special. And if you just got that feeling from the Indians. This team is so special. They are doing it with the rotation. Their bullpen is incredible and their lineup is deep, and they're fun to root for. They have a lot of fun young players. Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez are the future of the Indians. They are superstars in the league. Like, if, if they were on another team, they'd be already getting the MVP hype that they deserve this year. They both deserve to be MVP finalists, like top five, six in vote-getters. It's what they're doing. This whole team is awesome, and it's so much fun to root for them. You know, unlike all those Browns teams that I, I've been mentioning the quarterbacks for that have not been fun to root for, you know, and, and the Cavs, which before, outside of the LeBron years, have been, like, abysmal, 
You know, they had a, a nice little stretch in the early 90s where they made the playoffs a couple times. And outside of, you know, that, it's nothing. The Browns, I, you know, anytime someone wants to say something good about the Browns, they mention the late 80s, you know, that's 30 years ago. Or the 50s and 60s, you know, it's, a lot of people weren't even alive for that. So, you know, the Indians, though, people mentioned the late, the late 90s, and now they're mentioning this era, the 2016-2017 run. And all that people in Cleveland can talk about is, is this team better than 95? Is this team better than 97? And a lot of people are saying yes. You know, maybe the, the numbers, the runs aren't the same, which is all the sexy, you know, numbers that everyone wants to look at, batting average and RBIs. And, you know, maybe the Indians don't have, uh, like, a couple hundred RBI guys with 40 homers. But what they do have is just they're just mowing teams down. They're giving up one to two runs in each game this series. This During this 22-game win streak, it's a lot of, like, four-nothings. You know, games where they just don't give up anything. And it's and that's what's special about this team, is that they're all, like, working together, and it's, and it's a new guy every night picking up the slack. It's really great. And I hope everyone can appreciate it. I know a lot of people don't know the Cleveland sports, but now, you know, the way that this is all going down, the way they got the 22nd win, I'm telling you, it's, it's Friday, September 15th. People are going to learn real quick. If they don't know, they're going to know now. And now I'm going to push it. Now I'm going to throw it in my friends' faces because, you know, as much as I've been quiet in all this, they still like to take the little shots at Cleveland. I'm, I'm going to be ready to roll with, by the way, 22 straight wins. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. Unreal. Unbelievable. And, I mean, I could go on talking about this Indians team for a while. And... Maybe I'll stop right now. I'll, I'll stop. I'll, I'll, I'll let it go. Because this weekend, you know what? Actually, I'm going to roll right into my one-minute movie review inspired by this Indians win streak and inspired by the 22 wins. I'm going to one of the best sports movies ever. Last week, I did The Replacements. This week, I'm doing my, you know, that was my favorite football movie. This is probably my favorite sports movie. It's a baseball movie about the Cleveland Indians from the 80s, called Major League, starring Tom Berenger, Corbin Burnson, Charlie Sheen, young Charlie Sheen, um, the background, all right, one minute movie room, movie review, starting right now. So the background of this movie is Rachel Phelps, the ex-showgirl wife of the departed David Phelps, inherits the team and decides she doesn't really like Cleveland. Uh, her husband was like a beloved owner she is now the owner. She wants to move the team to Miami. You can't just do that on a whim. So what does she want to do? Well, she wants to come in last because if the team comes in last low enough that the attendance is so low, she can move this, the team. So she wants to put a team that's absolutely garbage out on the field so no one will go see it and she can move it to Miami, right? Okay, so she's setting up everyone to fail already and they don't know it. So she gets a manager who's never been there and brings in a bunch of players who no one's ever heard of. And the manager brings them all together. Guys like center fielder Willie Mays Hayes, who didn't even get an invite, just showed up one day. Or pitcher Rick Vaughn, who throws a 1,000 miles an hour. But the last place he played was the California Penal League because he stole a car. Or how about Jake Taylor, the old veteran catcher who was an all-star 
five years ago, but now he's just a weak pair of knees who can't make the throw down a second. Movie is great. There's two sequels that you have to avoid because after all the cursing in the first major league, which there was, there was a lot of curse words in the first major league, they wanted to PG it a little bit the second time around. There's only one curse word in major league two. They had to replace William Mays Hayes. They, it was, it was horrible. I mean, anyone that tells you they liked it, I'm like, poor you. Sorry. And the third one, it was just, I mean, they had like two, you know, rollover actors. That was basically it. Everyone else was brand new. It wasn't even about the Indians. It was about a minor league baseball team with Scott Bakula. Anyway, uh, back to the major league though. Great movie. Absolutely phenomenal. Like it, it tugs at you because not only do you get the romantic love story of the catcher who missed his opportunity with the girl but wants a second chance before she gets married. You got that action going on the side and you've got the whole at, like aspect of the city that has never had anything nice and, and everybody counted out before the season started going up against the dreaded Yankees who have like the slugger and like the guy who throws 100 miles an hour and should never be touched and the Indians end up beating them to make it to the playoffs. And that's the funny thing too, that our like big moment movie that we look for is just us making the playoffs. Like it's not even winning the championship. It's no, we just made the playoffs. That's how, that's how pumped we were. We made a movie about making the playoffs. I know that's like a funny joke uh, that everyone likes to point out, but uh, it is true. Uh, that's what the, the synopsis was, was just making the winning the East and going to the playoffs. And, the second movie picks up with them actually winning the pennant, making it to the World Series, but they didn't win the World Series. They just, that nothing happened there. So yeah, Major League, uh, I'm sure you've seen it because it's a classic in sports movies. And it still holds up, too. You watch it today, it's still good. And you know, the music is definitely, uh, dates you a little bit, where you've got Randy Newman, uh, Burn On Big River. Uh, and then you've also got this like weird like 80s early 90s like you know uh, oh gosh I forget what they call that but like like the like keyboard music type like you know montage type stuff it's it's pretty great so yeah that's my one minute movie review of Major League I give it a like a 99 out of 10 99 for you know Rick Vaughn and uh, and it, it's a must see it's my favorite sports movie which uh. You know, we'll go right into my top five this week is sports movies. Okay, so top five. Number five, I'm going with Field of Dreams. It's an old favorite. Uh, Colin Cowherd actually came out and said he doesn't like Field of Dreams, but I, I love Field of Dreams. I don't think it's corny at all. I think it's a great father-son story. I think it's a great baseball story, but also just a, about like a, a family man doing whatever it takes for not only what his family wants, but like what he believes in. And, and, and it, it was all about his father the whole time. It's really like a, a very complicated movie, but it's really deep, a must see. That's number five. Uh, number four is uh, Remember the Titans. It's no, no top sports movies list is complete without Remember the Titans. I mean, it's, it was tough for me to say the replacements I like more than Remember the Titans because you know, everyone watches it. I mean, my friends show it to their kids at school 
when uh, there's like a week left of school. It's like, yeah, we put on Remember the Titans or National Treasure. It's like those two. Like that's that's what you do. I'm looking at you guys, Tarano and Stewart. Uh, there's plenty of other guys, other teachers that are like, yeah, no, I, I National Treasure. That's what we're always watching. You know, Remember the Titans. Those are good history movies. But Denzel Washington, just a great message in that whole movie. Great soundtrack too. Uh, unbelievable soundtrack. It was like growing up, that was one of the few soundtracks that were always in the CD changer, along with 10,000 Maniacs Unplugged, Bob Dylan's Greatest Hits, Elvis One, and uh, Beatles for Sale was another one that was always in our CD changer. And uh, unfortunately, kids these days don't even know what a CD changer is. But yeah, the five CD changer, those were kind of usually the ones, the go-to ones. And remember the Titan soundtrack was right in there. Okay, number three. This one's kind of tough. You know, I got, I know what my top two are already. And a lot of movies can be sliding in and out of these three, four, five spots. You know, it's, it's you know, some people say Rudy. You know, and it, Rudy's a great one. Some people like For Love of the Game. How about Bull Durham or Tin Cup? You know, you can go away from, from baseball and football. You can go to, you know, there's plenty of good basketball movies out there. There's a lot of really great sports movies. This list should really be longer than five. You know, and Friday Night Lights is another popular pick, which happened on a true story. You know, like Caddyshack. This is the J.D. Power Caddyshack Award for Dependability. I want you to give it to the friend. That Caddyshack, you know, and uh, Big Lebowski people like to say is a sports movie because it's about bowling when... It's really not. I think that and Caddyshack. Caddyshack is technically a sports movie because it happens about you know like you know the the climax of the movie is about a golf tur you know, tournament almost. And uh, but I don't think Big Lebowski counts as a sports movie. But my number three could go a lot of different ways here. Could go Miracle, but I'm going Rudy. It's, it's, I mean, there are so many different ways I can go. It, there are so many good movies. Rudy is just great because it's such a, it's a tearjerker. You don't even have to be a Notre Dame fan. You can hate Notre Dame and deep down you'll still love that movie. You can lie and say you hate it. Rudy's great. Rudy's an all-timer. That movie is just phenomenal. Uh, and if you don't know the plot to Rudy, I mean, come on, you got to get out a little bit. Number two, favorite movie of all time, Just Beating Out Rudy, because this one's a close, dear personal fave of mine. Going with the replacements. Keanu Reeves playing Sugar Shane Falco. I gave you the one-minute review, movie review last week, so it won't bore your heads off with that. But, I mean, <sighs> replacements are a great movie. Great comedy. It's probably not as good of a movie as a lot of the sports movies people will reference, like Miracle, like... Uh, Rudy, <laughs> yeah, but it's in my personal five. It's my one of my favorites. And number one, like I just said before, is Major League. And, you know, say what you will about it as a movie itself, but it's wildly entertaining. Even if it wasn't about the Indians, if it was about, you know, the Milwaukee Brewers, I would still really love that movie. I think it would be awesome. And uh, and yeah, and actually, you know, little unknown fact: all of the scenes inside the stadium took place. In Milwaukee, they didn't have uh, enough time to film in Cleveland, and Milwaukee was close enough that they said, "You know, we're going to film the the uh, baseball scenes at the stadium here in Milwaukee." So, even though they made it look like it was happening in downtown Cleveland, at a, it, that was not the municipal uh, field. That was not 
Cleveland. There was Milwaukee. So, low-known fact for you there. Yeah, that's my little top five favorite sports movies. I want you to comment on my posts, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or on the SoundCloud app. <coughs> comment with your favorite top five sports movies. Uh, I want to get you guys involved here. I want to see what you guys think of my top five and what am I missing? You know, I, I know a lot of people will come in and say uh, Bull Durham. Bull Durham's a, a good one, and Caddyshack will probably get some votes. I'm sure Miracle will get some votes. So I want to see what you guys think of your top five sports movies. So a little roundup, uh, you know, before I let you go. This is a short podcast, no guests this week. Next week, going to talk a little bit more football. Uh, round up Bachelor in Paradise, which I still haven't gotten to finish up. I've had a busy week this week. Next week should be a little less busy. Going to Las Vegas this Saturday with a bunch of my good buddies. And uh, yeah, first time ever going to Las Vegas. I want to hear what you guys think I need to see when I'm out there. I don't know what I'm getting myself into. The idea is we will A, do a lot of traveling, walking around. I think the street is called Fremont Street on Saturday, which is uh, quote-unquote old Vegas. Again, if I'm getting this wrong, I just don't know what I'm doing, so uh, don't blame me. But uh, Chris, the bachelor, my buddy, uh, he kind of knows what's going on. So I don't think, uh, uh, I, or I do think he's going to kind of take us under his wing and show us what to do when we're out there. I think that'll be a lot of fun. But what am I missing? I want to know... Because I'm going to have plenty of time. Sunday we're going to be watching a lot of football. But football there ends at 4 o'clock for the day. The 1 o'clock games end you know, because they start at 10 a.m. on the West Coast. So all those 1, at 1 o'clock games that we're used to here start at 10. Those are over at 1 in the afternoon. And we got five 4 o'clock games, which are actually 1 o'clock over there. So those will be over around 4.30, 5 o'clock before Sunday night football. Sunday Night Football is going on at 5 o'clock, and I got two days off after this. So I got a four-day weekend coming up where I'm going to be in Vegas traveling all day Tuesday and uh, doing the flight out early Saturday morning. So I'll get there really early, like 9.30, 10 o'clock. We'll be doing our walking around. Uh, I'm not all even – I don't even like, care about the fight that everyone's talking about. I'm like, I do not need to see the fight. If everyone's like, we got to pay up big to go see this fight, I'm like, I don't care. I don't know who's fighting. It's not going to matter to me who wins. So I think I need to find the guys in the group that also don't care about it. Maybe go to the penny slots, get some free drinks, and uh, gamble for a little bit. Because I want to do a little bit of gambling. I don't want to lose all my money on Saturday. Hopefully win some money doing some football betting on Sunday. Boy, that'd be really awesome to just be able to win some money back that I'm going to be. Because I'm already prepared to lose a lot of money. But tell me what I'm going to miss. I mean, I'm going to In-N-Out Burger. We're going to do the Fremont Street. I'm going to check out some of the hotels and the casinos, just sightseeing a little bit. But I hear the restaurants are pretty amazing out there. I want to check out, like, I want to have one nice meal at a restaurant. And even if I don't, I, you know, I, I have, I'm lucky. Uh, my parents and I, we do a lot of really nice restaurants in New York and wherever. So I, it's not the end of the world if I don't get to one of these really good ones. But I should while I'm out there. Is there a show that's worth seeing? And, and you know, I know Cousin Katie's going to tell me, Britney Spears, but I, I'm not sure I'm going to go see that. Maybe, maybe not. But what am I missing, guys? What is – I can't believe I have to ask what is there to do in Vegas. But what should I do? I have three days out there. 
what don't I want to forget to do when I'm coming home? So give me, you know, another comment in the in the in the post. Let me know what I need to do while I'm in Vegas and not get in trouble. So that's that's the big one. Don't get in trouble. Be safe, be smart. That's the message that I'm getting when I'm going there. But other than that, be coming back to another podcast next week. Maybe the Indians will have a 28-29 game winning streak by then. No, probably not. But then again, who who would have thought they would have reached 22? This is pretty amazing what they're doing right now. I, I wouldn't be – nothing surprises me at this point. It's all unbelievable, yet at the same time, you keep on imagining it before it happens and hoping that this happens. So, yeah, that's Vegas. Uh, I'll come back with a, a pretty gaudy shot class that I can add to my collection. And then next weekend, after this Vegas trip, my aunt and I are going to Nebraska – checking out uh, the stadium, get to see a football game there. She's going because she wants to see all the states in the country and has some friends that will be out there, so she thought this would be a good opportunity. Invited me, and I said, well, yeah, I kind of want to go. I want to see a bunch of different college football stadiums, and I won't get many chances to go to Nebraska. So, yeah, why not? Let's go. Let's check it out. And I'll go out there, and that will be a nice little two-dayer. And then after that, who knows, maybe I'll actually take a weekend off to just do nothing. But uh, I'll also have Princeton football games that I want to get to, too. So uh, last weekend in September, when I'm moving out of, of this of this house on 16th and uh, moving to wherever we're going to next, which we have a couple ideas where we might end up, but uh, for a winter rental, and then, you know, got to find that out. But with all these things I got going on, it's kind of falling by the wayside here. So definitely want to be able to take care of that. I don't want to end up on my ass in the street. So probably take care of that first. But have a lot of fun things coming up. And then all of a sudden, I'm only a couple weeks away from Chris and Lauren's wedding and two weeks away from Tom and Meg's wedding. Things, these things come up fast. This fall is going to fly and got a lot of fun things coming up. This is going to be great. So, yeah, that's my preview of my next couple weeks. A little Cleveland roundup. I gave you plenty on the Indians. Cavaliers I don't even want to talk about right now. Basketball is so frustrating to talk about in the summer. The Cavs are just all drama right now. I, I don't care to talk about drama when these Indians are doing what they're doing. And these Browns, you know, they lost the Steelers. It was 21-18. I went out to the game. We do the home opener every year. We had an awesome time. It was so much fun. They really, you know, they look like a young team that makes young mistakes. But they've got so much talent in their young players. They have so much cap room. They have a lot of draft picks, a lot of high draft picks. The way they're building this team is really awesome. I think they can get to 6-10 and 10 this year, and I think next year and the year after that, they're going to start competing. Everyone in this division is getting old. The Bengals are, are getting, you know, they look awful on Thursday night football. They're going to lose. They just lost to the Texans, right? Texans don't look that good. The Bengals look really bad, okay? So these I, these are teams that I think the the Browns can pass. You know, They can pass the Bengals. Maybe not pass the Ravens this year or the Steelers, but soon enough, if they're building the team right and if Deshaun Kaiser's the guy, they're really building a good team here. They're building a foundation that the fans can get behind. And I know a lot of people will say that I've said this before, and I have, but they've never had this accumulation of assets cap room and actual good young players before they've just had 
a rebuild where I'm like, hey, maybe Colt McCoy's the guy, maybe Brady Quinn's the guy, you know. But it's like, well, I know, I know. But the amount of young guys they're bringing in, somebody's going to have to hit, and it's undeniable. You even heard what Ben Roethlisberger said after the game. Ben Roethlisberger doesn't really say much nice things about Cleveland. Says they're going to surprise some people this year. Glad that they got us in Week One. That was the big one that point pointed out to me. He's like, yeah, I'm glad we played them now. I don't want to play them in a couple weeks when they get healthy and confident and you really start to see them pulling things together. Which makes me think, you know, this week against the Ravens, they put them on upset alert. I know it's going to be, it's. I mean, it's still they're still eight-point dogs on the road, and I don't love that. I think uh, we'll cover, but I don't, I, I don't know about winning outright. But the next two games after that will be Indianapolis, Cincinnati, and then the Jets. Those three teams look kind of really bad. And if they could win just like, if they could win two of these next four games and kind of just start to feel the wins, feel the momentum, who knows what happens, you know? it's And I just want to see progress this year. And I've already seen it. I know they took a lot of sacks, and Antonio Brown was awesome. But outside of Deshaun Kaiser looking like a rookie quarterback and Antonio Brown looking like the best wide receiver in the NFL, the Browns look pretty good. So I know a lot of people love to say, oh, typical Browns, laws, classic Browns. That doesn't exist anymore. If you want to like knock on the Browns, you got to update yourself. you got to get a little bit smarter because this whole classic Browns thing, it's gone. It's over. I mean, as my boy, as my boy Chris Sims will say, that's Shrek. Okay, that doesn't exist anymore. That's something that everyone thinks they believe, and it's wrong. Shout out to the Sims and Leftco podcast, quickly becoming my favorite podcast out there. Uh, yeah, I gotta get in touch with those guys. Get those guys on the podcast. Maybe in the off season when they're a little less busy. But uh, those those guys really run the show there with football. But like they said though. The, you know, they, they talked about Drew Brees as being the elite quarterback as it's like a Shrek point. And I don't know what it comes from, but when they point that out, they say it's just something that's not true anymore. Adrian Peterson should get, you know, 1,800 yards. Shrek. Not even close. That's just not what it is anymore. People believe what they've seen, but in football, those, those trends end quickly. Okay? Outside of, like... A few like Tom Brady's, right? Outside of those guys, and like these trends, they end quickly. So, and I know the Browns have been bad for a while, but you got to look at those. That's bad luck with multiple regimes fucking up, and multiple quarterbacks not working out, and head coaches coming in trying to make something work and it not working, and it was just a whole clusterfuck that led into the very next clusterfuck. This time, though, they rebuilt it. They scratched it all down. They got a young head coach, a, a new head coach, who they've given a chance to, even after a 1-15 season. I said, look, we know that if we want to build this team right, we have to stick through the pain like that. And we just went through the most painful season ever. And now we're showing progress. This thing is going up. And if you don't want to believe it, you're just not paying attention. It's time to close the book on Classic Browns, they suck. All right, this thing, this thing, this roller coaster is starting. All right, it's gonna be fun. Watch out. You know, tell the Heath Evans and the Bill Polians of the world, the guys who 
need that Browns to be bad so that everything in their life is perfect because they always have the Browns to shit on. Or Bill Polian, who loves to just not understand what's going on. It's like, Bill, guess what? Things are changing now. You are no longer the Colts GM because you don't get that. Not that the Colts GMs have done any good. But watch out. The Browns are coming. That's my only point. So, yeah, this was a pretty good football, you know, Cleveland sports-centric podcast this week. Uh, looks like I'm losing viewers or listeners each week. Definitely got to get this up on iTunes. And uh, I'm so pumped for everyone to join me for episode 21. This was really great. A special 21 episode because we're putting to bed the 21-game win streak, and it's 22 now. Next week will be episode 22. We'll recap Bachelor in Paradise season and look forward to who the next Bachelor is. I don't know the guy's name. I think everyone's calling him Junior. He was from a couple years ago. He kind of looks weird, but we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, we already did our Game of Thrones recap. We are not going to touch that for another year because it looks like it's coming out March of 2019. So it's going to be a while before we talk Game of Thrones again. Uh, we'll have to talk baseball with Owen Stewart next time he comes on. Gotta get Zach Flaherty back. He's coming back in the next few weeks. Uh, Michael Kay of the Yankees, he's going to be on soon. Uh, you know, We couldn't get to him this week, but he'll, he'll be back. You know, we'll have him on. Joe Rapola of fantasy football lore, he'll be back, and we'll talk with Tom Scotto as well. Lots of fantasy football to talk this season. Who I like, who I don't like. Uh, with betting, I'll give you a couple ones that I like this week. Uh, my survivor pick is the Raiders, uh, home against the Jets. I don't see any way the Jets could possibly beat them. So I'm going with the Raiders, who, even though they're a really good team, they're going to have a lot of games where they have to play good teams. So I want to get them out of the way now because I don't want to pick them when they're picking, uh, playing against an AL or a, I'm sorry, AFC West team. So my survivor pick is the Raiders this week. A couple teams are really like. I like the Raiders to cover. I like the Seahawks to cover. I think they're playing two of the worst teams. They're playing at home on the West Coast. Uh, the Seahawks are going to try really heavy to not go 0-2, so I think they're going to cover the two touchdowns. I don't see Brian Hoyer and the Niners getting enough to cover. Uh, and just like the Jets, I think the Jets can be shut out at Oakland. And if not, I still think it's like a 35-7 to game. I think that's a blowout. So those are two games I like. I really like the Packers to cover. Uh, I think they're getting three points. Aaron Rodgers, this is kind of a revenge game last year. They lost a really tight one at Atlanta last year. Maybe the Falcons aren't as good as everyone's pumping them up to be. I think there's problems on that interior offensive line. They're not running the ball the way that you'd like to see them. They barely beat the Bears last week. They needed like a miracle 88-yard touchdown from Austin Hooper. And... Uh, Jordan Howard to drop a, an easy touchdown late in the game. So I, I think the Falcons are a little bit worse than everyone's saying they are, and I think the Packers are going to roll into town, and uh, I think they're going to win that game outright, not just cover. My other two of my top five picks, I really like the Titans this week. They're giving one and a half to Jacksonville. Jacksonville is not that good. I think Houston's very bad. And their their O-line play was horrible, and their quarterback play was horrible, which made Jacksonville look better than they actually were. But I think the Titans are going to be pissed. You know, This is the team they played last year, knocked out Mariota, basically killed their playoff chances. 
I think this is going to be a chip-on-the-shoulder game for Tennessee, who really doesn't want to start 0-2, wants to win this division. <coughs> and I think they're going to win this game by a touchdown or two. And also, Jacksonville, they're going to London this week, so I think they might be a little distracted. Teams are 10-20-2 and on the game before they go to London, so keep that in mind. The other team that's going to London is Baltimore, and I like the cap of the Browns to cover the eight points there. I know I'm biased, but they just lost by three to the Steelers, who I think the Steelers are a better team than the Ravens. I could see the Ravens winning this game by 10, but the last couple games between Browns and Ravens have been pretty tight. I mean, they were winning at halftime both of the games last year. They won one of the games the year before, and then they lost the other one uh, on a blocked field goal at the end of the game. So they've played the Ravens pretty well the last two years, and they've been really bad the last two years. Ravens have been better the last two years. Browns have been worse the last two years. I think it's trending in the right direction for the Browns. I think they've got a good chance this weekend. And I'll give you one more if you don't want to pick the Browns. I like the Eagles this week. I, I, know, I really like the Chiefs this season. Losing Eric Berry is going to be huge. I want to see how they do there. Uh, Marcus Peters apparently is a little banged up, and I think that could really hurt too. I know, uh, you know, if if he has to be out, Philly can maybe take advantage of that with their big receivers because Marcus Peters is maybe one of the top three corners in the game. He's really great. If Jason Peters is out for Philly, that changes things because they really need him to just keep Wentz upright because Wentz needs a lot of time if he wants to succeed. It was only when his pressure, when the pressure started coming, that he didn't do well last year. In the last half of the season, he did not do well. But that was, he, you know, Jason Peters banged up. And also he had Lane Johnson was suspended. And the line crumbled around him, and he did not perform well. I think he has the ability to be a good quarterback, but he needs good O-line play. Kind of like Andy Dalton in Cincinnati. You're seeing Andy Dalton not play well. I think that was partially... You know, the reason he's played so well for a while is he had a good head coach there. He had a good defense. He had an offensive line that blocked for him, and he wasn't asked to do much. Now that they're crumbling around him, you're seeing Andy Dalton. He's out to 0-2 now, and they've scored nine points in two games. They've scored three field goals only in their first two games. I don't think that I think the Browns are going to pass the Bengals this year. I really do. So, and that's just, I mean, that that's not even relevant to this week, but I think... The Eagles, they, they laid a whooping on the Redskins. They they won 30-17. to 17. It wasn't even that close, to be honest. And they are a real threat to be a playoff team this year. I think they could win this game outright. Maybe the Chiefs come, come down from that big high of beating the Patriots. Maybe they don't. Maybe they roll. I, I could, I, it's hard for me to pick against the Chiefs, but I just think this is kind of a trap game, and I really like the Eagles this week. So... There you have it. I like the Titans, the Eagles, the Raiders, the Seahawks, the Packers, the Browns. Those are my favorite picks this week. Those are my top six. If I had to go another one, I kind of like the Bills. I think Carolina is a little overrated. I think they, uh, they're they not as good as a lot of people want them to be. And I know the Bills aren't great either, but I just, I just think that's going to be a low-scoring affair, and they're going to cover... <coughs> The Steelers-Vikings game is tough to me. Uh, I think the Rams will cover against the Redskins. I think the Rams are very improved. I think the Redskins have problems on the offensive line outside of Trent Williams. And, you know, their targets aren't really uh, 
they're going to have to get open a lot faster and do a lot more. And, you know, Terrell Pryor can't get these 11 targets, six catches games. These aren't going to work for that offense that, you know, runs on efficiency. So we'll see from the Redskins going forward, but I think uh, they're going to have a tough, tough time getting a lot of wins here. And uh, maybe Kirk Cousins leaves us here. And uh, there are a couple games I don't want to pick. Uh, I like the Broncos against the Cowboys. Uh, I did like the uh, <laughs> I did like the Texans covering tonight against Cincinnati. I uh, I but I didn't want to pick this game at all. In one league, I picked the Texans getting five, and the other league, I picked the Bengals giving five. I didn't want to believe the Bengals were that bad, but it turns out they are. So I don't really touch a lot of over unders, but those are my picks. Uh, we will see going forward. Definitely going to pick the Lions for Monday Night Football against the Giants. And we'll see how my picks do in Vegas this week. I'm going to bet the the Lions. I'm going to do a couple parlays and hopefully win some money on Sunday that I don't go home broke. Anyway, I wish you all a good week. And uh, to my friends also going to Vegas, be safe and be smart. I will be safe. I will be smart. And I will see you guys next week.